Crowd on their feet here at Tropicana Field. Two on, two out, one in. Swing and a miss. He struck him out and the Rays win. This is Rays Radio. Looked in the air to center field. Charging Kiermaier still coming on. Dives and he, did he hold it? Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. Yes, he did, and the side retired. Coming up, we bring you the inside scoop from Rays players, coaches, and front office executives as the Rays prep for 2016. Two pitch, lifted down the left field line. Pierce giving chase to the corner, to the wall, off the pole, it's a home run. Evan Longoria with a two-homer night. To get you ready for Opening Day, here are the voices of the Rays. Good evening, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Countdown to Opening Day with Andy Freed. I am Dave Wills, and we are in studio tonight, and we'll be talking with Rays pitching coach Jim Hickey in just a little bit, and later on, Neil Solon sits down with Logan Forsythe, who was the MVP of last season's Rays team, and Andy Freed, as we uh, are on the eve now of uh, the first workout for, uh, again, everybody being together now in Port Charlotte, the uh, pitchers and catchers reported last week. We had the positional guys report yesterday, and then today was kind of an admin day to get the photos done and a few other things for Rays vision and all kinds of stuff to get that going and out of the way. And then tomorrow will be the first workout. And, uh, you know, again, as I've talked a couple of times, even earlier today on our flagship station with uh, Ron and JP, so many people are talking about this guy, that guy, and the other guy. People are forgetting about Logan Forsyth as MVP, and I think it's going to be interesting to hear some of his comments today with Neil Solons on a guy who had a breakthrough season last year that a guy like Joe Madden two years ago stuck with when even you and I would go into his office and wonder, you know, does he, don't you think he might use a little help down at AAA to get a little confidence back? But Joe stuck with him, the front office stuck with him, and it all paid off last year. And I think, again, we're talking about this guy being a key, this guy being a key, that guy being a key. Logan Forsythe's going to be as big a key as anybody. I don't know. Maybe it's because he has a low-key personality. Maybe he just gets overlooked. But he was absolutely the MVP of the team last year. And look, you could always make a case. You make this point, and rightfully so, that Evan could be the MVP of the team every year. And that is true. Uh, but Forsythe, with, with the power, I think, is what we saw that I wasn't expecting. The consistency defensively uh, that I didn't realize that we would see. And his versatility, too. You know, he... He saw some innings at first base. This team does need a backup at third if something were to happen to Evan. Or if Evan just needs a, a day off or whatever or as a DH day, Logan played a very good third base when you need it. He has a much better arm than you realize. And to have a strong arm like that on the right side of the field is very important. You know, take this for what it's worth. I was watching MLB Network again Shocker. last night. Shocker. And they, uh, they're doing the, the top 100 right now. Number 58 was Logan Forsythe. Yeah, ahead of both Chris Archer and Kevin Kiermaier, who yes. were back-to-back. Back. But, yeah, and, and, and Evan Longoria is nowhere to be found right now in the top 100, which is, uh, again, he's gone from a, maybe a top 10, top 20 player to now being out of the top 100. And I know he met with the media yesterday, and he's talking a little bit about coming to camp a little thicker, a little stronger, and trying to uh, make his way through the, the season. And, you know, you and I have talked about this ad nauseum, and I know maybe the fans uh, might get sick of it when we're talking about it during the game. But, you know, we hear people talk about Longo's no longer Longo. Longo's not as good as he once was. He's not even a top 10 third baseman. At the end of the day, Longoria is still one of the best defensive third basemen going in the game, if not one of the top two or three. At the end of the day, too, he is still the guy that the opposing team circles in purple on a nightly basis when the team plays the Rays. And they know that if they can control him and keep him under wraps, that they have a chance of keeping the Rays offense under wraps. So, as we've said this before, Nobody's harsher on himself than Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria, you can talk about all the critics and fans getting on him for not being as good as maybe he was back in 2009 and 2010, but nobody's tougher on himself than Evan. And maybe as he gets a little older now that he's married to realizing that, you know what, he he doesn't have to carry that bird him with him. And I'm not saying that he doesn't have to be a leader. I think he can still lead by example, which he will do. But, uh, you know, again, just go out there and do what Evan Longoria is capable of doing. Don't try to do too much. And I think sometimes Evan does that. And from what you're saying, the other team always circles him as the lead threat on the Rays when you face him. So who do you put around him? Now that this lineup, again, we say this every year, but it should be a thicker lineup. There should be more fear in the other team's uh, bullpen and in the other team's pitcher on the mound when the Rays come up to to the plate because they're going to hit more home runs this year. I got to think so. Uh, so who hits in front of him, who hits behind him? I think that's one of the interesting questions of spring training and moving forward. There's going to be a lot of different lineups this year, folks. Prepare yourself. I think there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching going on, which is a good thing. Uh, but f- complain all you want about Evan. 35 doubles, 
21 home runs, 73 runs batted in. You'd like to see a few more home runs. You'd like to see a few more runs batted in. But remember, if there is a... a if there isn't a reason to pitch to Evan Longoria, they're not going to pitch to Evan Longoria, which is, I think, his strikeouts, why they go up a little bit. You know, why you see 130-plus strikeouts, because he comes up in that big spot. He's looking for that one pitch that maybe he can do something with, and maybe he might outthink himself. Complain all you want about Evan Longoria. I'll take him at third base for another 160 games this year. He will be the least of the right problems. I, especially defensively, no doubt. I think, again, as he, uh, you know, a couple more guys get on base in front of him. Think about those, uh, you know, 08, 09, and 10 teams that uh, he did score some runs. We had some guys getting on base in front of him that have not necessarily been the case here over the last few years either. Yep, and I would like to see from Evan, I'd like to see a few more walks. I think there are times that... Uh, he could accept the the walk uh, when, look, you're just not going to get anything good to hit. So maybe that's something that can change this year. Because, look, well, there are other guys who are going to be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark this year. If he draws 70, 75 walks this year, I think that's going to increase uh, how many runs he scores. The other thing that I've been talking about a little bit here lately, and I mentioned it to Matt Silverman when we met with him last week in Port Charlotte, is the fact that I, I'm looking for this season to be a little more fun. I, I, went, I go back to 2014, the last year that Joe Madden was the manager. And I love Joe as much as anybody, maybe more than a lot of people. But at the end of the day, I think at times Joe kind of forced the fun. He was trying to force to, 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 to make something that was not there. It just wasn't going to happen. And, you know, sometimes that will end up falling on deaf ears. And I think ultimately maybe it did a little bit within that clubhouse. And then I think last year, Matt self-admitted that he was having a tough time because he was still trying to figure everything out and, and was a little stressed out with all the new things. I think the same thing with Kevin. I think now you and I talked about this several times. First few weeks of the season, there was kind of that feeling out period between all of us. What could we say to each other? What could he say to us? And there's a trust factor. I think as the season went along, uh, it, it got to where we had with Joe, where it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of stuff going on. We laughed a ton inside that office. So that was fun. But then you read comments from Evan where he said, you know, it was a little more stressful than he would have liked. And it didn't sound like he had as much fun. I think we got to get back to fun. I think the, I think it starts with the players, obviously. I think it's something that uh, is not forced. I, I think it's something that is kind of, uh, you know, just grown by organic, by organically by the players themselves. And it sounds to me like there's a little more of a relaxed atmosphere right now, maybe in and around that uh, Rays clubhouse than there might have been last year at this time because everybody was still trying to figure out who's who. It's a great point that you bring up. At the same time, there's a lot of new guys around there. When you look at who is added to this team this year, uh, there's going to be an, a, 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 I don't want to say a feeling out process, but I think the chemistry does have to form naturally. I agree with everything you're saying there. You, you can't force it. If you, if you do, it ends up not being what it's supposed to be designed to do, and that is to loosen atmosphere. Uh, we don't know some of these new personalities, Dave. I mean, we're going to be introducing ourselves to people like Corey Dickerson and Logan Morrison and Brad Miller and Steve Pierce, uh, Hank Conger, uh, Danny Farquhar. There's a lot of new guys around this year. I think back to 08, partially because it's fun. 08's a fun thing to think about. But, you know, you think about spring training in 08, and you think of how many new guys were around that year also and how certainly winning helped the chemistry. But I felt chemistry coming together before, really, they started winning. For whatever reason... Those guys link together. I'd like to see that happen this year. Who knows if that sort of 08, you know, miracle season can happen. But uh, I, I do think there is something to that. Because when problems happen in the clubhouse, I'm a big fan, and, and, and some of it happened with Archer this week with the young fellow Snell and Faria, that uh, the players policing themselves. And if you have that kind of equity within the clubhouse, and not just during the bad times, but during the good times too, then when the bad times do happen, it's, you know, it's, it's not taking as taken as personally so i'm very interested in the chemistry of this team how it's going to come together it might take a little while but one thing i do know and i know you do too when it clicks it's unmistakable and a lot of people will say this what comes first chemistry or winning winning or chemistry um you know i, I think it's a combination of both i think that uh, you know again you've got that chemistry and that kind of everybody pulling on the rope i'm using all the cliches right now <laughs> in in one direction but i think that's the case but winning helps and winning starts to bring people together too and i think a lot of it starts with what you're thinking right out of the gates as well and i think right now i think the the thought process is that the race starting staff is going to be pretty good if they stay healthy and i think you know and again i think that's always the the, the addendum to my comment that i think the race starting staff will be very very good if they stay healthy and drew smiley today at, at the camp gave us his kind of impression on the state of the Rays rotation. You, you, everyone's got to stay healthy, and everyone has to perform well and do their part. But I think if if we do stay healthy, I mean, just one through five and guys behind us, if someone does happen to get hurt, there's a lot of guys that can compete with the best of them. And 
from Archer to Matt Moore to myself, Oda Rizzi, Kyle coming back, Erasmo. I mean, just I think we're in good shape pitching, and I think, you know, this team's got a chance. No. It, it's got a chance, and starting pitching sets the tone. Plain and simple, uh, you know, that's the momentum. Your next day starter is, is, is the momentum, and I think when you start to break it down against the division, I think the Rays do have the, the sturdiest starting rotation, again, as long as they stay healthy from one to five. And who knows if we're going to use four for the first month or just maybe go with all five. We'll ask Jim Hickey that question when we get him on here in just a couple of minutes. But as you know, having been a part of the team here with us in 05, our very, very first year, and with any team, the, the bullpen can also set the tone because, you know, when you have leads going into the ball, uh, seventh and eighth and ninth innings, the teams that are playing in October win those games about 95% of the time. The Rays weren't winning them 95% of the time last year. They were letting some of those games get away. Our records and extra innings were not very, very good. Uh, we gave up a lot of runs toward the end of the games. You know, again, uh, Brad Boxberger was a very, very good closer for us last year for the most part, but he led the American League with, with 10 losses. And now my question is, who does he lean on? The, the, the pillars of Jake McGee and Kevin Jepsen are gone, and now who does Brad Boxberger lean on? But what he does have that he didn't have a year ago is some experience. The biggest thing learning was just the overall experience of uh, throwing in the ninth inning consistently and um, the different pressures and stuff that go along with getting those last couple outs. Um, but just the overall experiences uh, to have that under my belt is definitely going to help this year. And uh, as far as preparing, a um, little less throwing just to kind of keep me on the right track and uh, not overexert myself here in spring and uh, just be able to get through it healthy and ready to go for April. You know, it's interesting you bring up uh, from what he was saying there, too, the pillars to lean on. Well, he's now a pillar. I mean, there are going to be guys that are going to be looking to Brad Boxberger to lean on this year. Uh, you know, when you look at, I, I think, a guy that I think of almost like a two-headed monster potentially out of the bullpen is Eni Romero from the left side and Alex Colomay from the right side. It's hard to envision this team uh, being really good unless those guys take that next step. Colomay did some things last year that were eye-popping. I think that appearance he had in Houston uh, where he made Jose Altuve look horrendous at the plate. And frankly, nobody does that. Uh, so that, that to me, Colomay and Romero uh, leading to Boxberger is kind of the ticket to, to get this team some wins. And that being said, I'd like to see Farquhar do something. Ryan Webb brought in. Mm-hmm. We were just going over some of the bullpen guys. Let's not forget Steve Geltz. I mean, Steve Geltz has strikeout stuff. We're not quite sure how he gets all those strikeouts, but he gets a lot of swings and misses. You know, he's not throwing 98, but he really does get a lot of swings and misses out there. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. The, the bullpen, to me, is probably the most interesting thing developing on how this team's yeah, going to be. Yeah, people ask, like, what are your concerns? I, you know, I, I hate using the word concern because that means you're worrying about something, but I think that the, the bullpen is something that I'm going to be keeping a very, very close eye on during the spring and in the early couple of weeks because – there, there, there's nothing worse around a major league team than to, to kind of always have leads in the fifth and sixth and seventh innings, and then you start wondering, all right, do we have enough? Are we, are we leading by enough? Are, are they going to be able to hold it this time? Uh, you know, we, we went through that for a few years at the very, very beginning before the Rays got into this postseason run, and one of the reasons why the Rays were getting into the postseason was because we knew after the sixth inning, for all intents and purposes, we had the lead. There was about a 95% chance this team was going to win that game. I know one of the things I want to ask Jim Hickey, what is, and we're going to have one in just a couple of minutes, what is this, the structure of the bullpen right now with McGee not there? I'm not quite sure what the structure of it is right now. And uh, we know that, by, you know, when's the last year we went into a season saying, all right, this guy's the closer? Well, guess what? We know who the closer is this year. It's Brad Boxberger. But I'm not quite sure how they have it mapped out. Now, let's not forget Xavier Cedeno as a left-hander. Can mm-hmm. he do again what he did last year? I, I kind of hope so because I think he's going to be leaned on a lot. A real rubber arm also. I mean, they would call on him two, three, four, five straight days to get guys out from now and then. But I'm very interested in the the perceived evolution of this bullpen from people like Jim Hickey. And the other thing about the bullpen, you know, you show me a good bullpen, I'll show you a starting stat that goes a little bit deeper in the games, and that would give them a little less uh, workload. The other thing that will help – Mentally, maybe, will be the fact that maybe this offense, this revamped offense, will give them a two- or three-run cushion on occasion, which Brad Boxberger said would be awful nice, too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, the closer the game, there's always more pressure because every pitch means something where um, if you do have a two- or three-run lead, you kind of have a little bit more breathing room. Um, still not any easier to get the guys out on the, that you're facing, but uh, 
definitely with um, the additions we have in the lineup this year, I think we're going to definitely have some more um, offensive runs and uh, be able to help us out and give us a couple days here and there to catch our breath and be able to go out there in the close games and lock down the innings. Yeah, Brad always said you talked over him when he was ready to, you yeah. know, again, he, the, the, you know, the timing is off, though. It's still early for all of us. Well, Brad is quite verbose, so <laughs> I, I can't help it. But, you know, when you think about the, the layout of the American League East this year, what are they talking about? With teams, they're talking about bullpens. But what are they talking about with the Rays? They're talking about starters. You know, when the Yankees, the big three at the back end of their bullpen, uh, the Red Sox are what they're going to have are those four guys uh, headed up by Craig Kimbrell. Uh, the Blue Jays had a great bullpen down the stretch last year. The Orioles still have O'Day in Britain. But for the Rays, I think all four of those teams would be thrilled to have the starting rotation that the Rays have, uh, staying healthy. And the depth of the rotation, too. Uh, it's going to be very, very important for this team. Let's just hope they stay injury-free. Let's hope so. All right. Well, again, we're going to take a break here, and we're going to talk with Rays pitching coach Jim Hickey in just a couple of moments. And then later on, we'll hear from Logan Forsythe. He sat down with Neil Solons down in Port Charlotte, and we get some of the thoughts from last year's Rays MVP. With the Rays' new Big 22 plan, you can get tickets to the biggest games, matchups, and giveaways, and access to the all-new Rays Rewards Points Program for season ticket holders, all while saving up to $140 Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. He's Andy. I'm Dave. We'll continue with this week's edition of the Countdown to Opening Day show after this on your home for Rays Baseball, 620 WDAE and the Rays Baseball Network. Rays Fan Fest is back this Saturday, February the 27th, the Tropicana Field. Play games on the field. Meet the Rays radio team. How about that? How about that? That's what it says in front of me here. And interact with players as the Rays kick off the new baseball season. Fan Fest, free for all fans, open from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. And all you got to do, call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Rays up. Dave and I will be there. That's Dave Wills. I'm Andy Freed. Neil Solon's with Logan Forsyth in just a little while. Brian Allward is running things here at... The 620 WDAE Studios. This is Countdown to Opening Day as we are counting down to the April 3rd opener for the Rays hosting the Toronto Blue Jays. Let's not forget, too, that uh, March 2nd, which is next week, is Spring Training Baseball. We'll be broadcasting on RaysBaseball.com, and then we're going to be on the air here on 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network on Saturdays and Sundays with a couple of night games mixed in. So lots of fun stuff coming up. We're going to be joined now by Jim Hickey, the Rays pitching coach, and Coach Icky, thank you so much for taking a few moments to join us here. How are things in spring training, and has everything gone to plan so far? Jim, can you hear us? I can hear you just fine. There we go. Well, Jim, first of all, thanks for taking the time to join us. And uh, as Andy was saying, uh, spring training now a few days uh, into it, and uh, you know, again, the uh, entire you know full squad will be ready to go tomorrow. But uh, as far as the pitching standpoint is concerned, uh, how's how's things been going for the last or for the first few days? Well, five days into it, and uh, no worries so far because all you worry about is these guys being healthy, and so far so good. Everyone is healthy, knock on wood. So you're not really looking. You're not evaluating. You always evaluate. You're always you know, you're trying to look a little bit deeper into it. But the fact of the matter is it's uh, February, whatever it is, it's 25th, 26th, and uh, there's still a long way to go. With that being said, though, I know that Kevin uh, talked a little bit about how nice it's, again, Matt Moore coming off the Tommy John surgery and being able to finish last year on a positive note. Talked about how nice the ball is coming out of his hand. Uh, Any Romero looks like a guy that's uh, hoping to take that next step and was very, very impressed with the way he threw. And then the two young kids that we've been talking about, Snell and Faria, uh, uh, what what have you seen from those guys? I mean, can, can you can you walk away impressed in the first uh, time these guys throw a bullpen, or do you have to kind of just – pull back on the reins and say, all right, it's only bullpen and then nobody's batting in the box against him. Well, I think you're always impressed the first time you see these guys throw, you know, no matter who they are, because you haven't seen it in a long time. And, you know, it's tough to contrast it to anything else. And the ball is coming out of uh, Matt Moore's hand very well. I was very impressed with him. I saw him throw three or four times at Tropicana Field before he got down here. And uh, he's worked extremely hard. He's dotted all the I's. He's crossed all the T's. He's done everything he needs to do uh, in his rehab to come back. And I would expect great things from him. Uh, Andy Ramiro, uh, you know, of course, we all know what we have. we got a big hard-throwing left-hander with a big arm. that's had trouble throwing strikes. 
um, had trouble, you know, uh, being efficient, if you will. I think uh, he simplified his delivery. Uh, no, no, I think he simplified his delivery. He has simplified his delivery, and I think he's going to be a little bit more efficient right now. And he's a guy that, you know, I've heard people talk about, uh, you know, the replacing of Jake McGee, and I don't believe that any is going to replace Jake McGee or any one person, but uh, he's certainly a guy that we could, you know, put into higher leverage situations later in the game. And the two youngsters that you mentioned, uh, Snell and Spree, I've been very, very impressed with them, and I've been very impressed with a num- uh, number of other youngsters as well. You know, you talk about the bullpen here, and one thing we were just talking about in our last segment is that a lot of times in spring training, almost every year, we go in saying, all right, we don't know exactly who's going to be the closer. You know, would it be Farnsworth? Would it be Fernando? Would it be whomever it has been during all these different years? This year, we pretty much know that Brad Boxberger is going to get most of those save opportunities. The difference is uh, leading up to it. Can you tell it what is, in your mind, the structure of the bullpen uh, in those innings leading up to Brad Boxberger? Is there one at this point, or do you have a lot of guys that might be in those roles? <laughs> no, I was going to say right now, there is no structure right now. <laughs> um, I mean, we have an idea, you know, who may fit here and who may fit there, but these things have a tendency of, uh, you know, just kind of shaking themselves out, and I think it will again here. Uh, we just don't have a bunch of names that's recognizable to everybody. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, the fans are apprehensive. The media is apprehensive. I'm apprehensive, but it always has a way of working itself out. And I think it'll do the same thing this year. You've got a, you've got a high, you know, a high, high end quality of people to, you know, assume those roles, whether it's uh, Alex Colomay, um or Xavier Cedeno or Danny Farquhar or uh, Brandon Webb. Uh, you know, these are, these are guys that have, uh, you know, you know, good good major league resumes and they're going to be good quality productive major league pitchers it just depends on you know where they slot in and i think we're going to be just fine race pitcher coach jim hickey joining us here on our countdown to opening day show with andy freed i'm dave wills and jim you know it became a thing and you know i know we've talked about it a lot during the broadcast we talked about it with kevin we talked about it with you the fans would talk about it uh, whenever they would see us they tweet about it they'd uh, put it on wherever social media they possibly could. The whole thing about, uh, you know, again, maybe going to our bullpen a little too quick. And at the end of the year, I mean, our bullpen looked a little tired, looked a little worn out, whether it was physically because of the innings, which, again, when you break it down, were not a whole lot more, if any, than the previous years. But maybe because of, again, the tight ball games that these guys always seem to be in. But would you, as you look into your crystal ball, if we stay healthy, do you think our starters – should be able to go a little bit longer and thus would take a little bit of the workload off the shoulders of our bullpen? Well, we have this give and take all the time, and it's a very fine line. But, uh, you know, my personal opinion is, yes, I'd lean a little bit heavier on the starters. Uh, you know, especially, you know, it just totally depends on how you get to that point in the ball game. You know, if you pitch five or six innings and you allowed, you know, zero runs and, you know, two or three hard-hit balls, or if you pitch uh, five or six innings and allowed nine loud outs, you know, it's just a whole different thing. Um, so I would allow, I would lean a little bit heavier on the starters, absolutely, uh, for sure. Uh, give that bullpen a little bit of a breather when you can. And I agree with what you said. The bullpen, it did wear down. And I think, uh, I think we kind of rectified the situation, you know, uh, you know, a little bit of the ways through the season. It did probably wear down. They didn't throw physically more innings or more appearances. But I, I really do believe that the stress of the, high leverage inning where you just can't make a mistake you don't you don't have a chance to you know even make a bad pitch i think that takes a toll on them uh, overall and i think that showed toward the end of the season how does the fact that Moore and smiley uh did not pitch you know a full complement of innings last year they were able to you know come off the dl and finish strong certainly how does that affect how you might use them this year could they get some extra off days as the season goes along and i know we're speaking hypothetically but uh is that something where maybe there are certain times that you would slide you know, Andres or Erasmo into certain spots. And I just mentioned those two guys because they show that they can pitch both as starters and relievers to lighten the load a bit on more and Smiley as the season goes on. I think so. I think with both of those guys, we're hoping to play in October and I, I fully expect to play in October. So you want to have Matt Moore, you want to have Drew Smiley pitching for you in October. And with their limited innings that they've uh, thrown last year, you got to kind of manage the innings somewhere along the line. And whether it's uh, it a great example, um, uh, of uh, Andres or Erasmo Ramirez or an Andrew Bellotti or somebody like that that just kind of lightens the load. Maybe one time you skip them. They have 10 days off. You know, they just don't throw quite as much. 
uh, I, I think we're going to be able to, with, with our complement of people who can start and, and the stable of relief pitchers, I think that we'll be able to manage the innings where you'll see these guys pitching effectively uh, when we do end up going into the playoffs. A lot of people also automatically assume because there's a lot of days off in April that we're only going to go with a four-man staff. Again, I know I'm sure you've talked about a bunch of different stuff, but uh, that could also be a way to kind of limit the innings toward the back end if you don't skip starts. And, you know, even Chris Archer in our show a couple of weeks ago said that while he, you know, he, he felt good about taking every start every fifth day, he thought that maybe toward the end of last year he was a little gassed. Uh, is that something you guys are looking at as well? Is it, is it automatic because we have so many days off that you only go with a four-man rotation? Or would you, would you maybe mix in a five-man here and there to give these guys uh, an extra day, or even especially early on? No, I don't think it's automatic that we go with a four-man rotation. I think uh, probably at some point we probably do go with a five-man rotation just to give them a little bit of an extra, a uh, little bit of an extra rest. You know, just just what we're talking about: Drew Smiley, Matt Moore, uh, all these guys that uh, we're going to have to manage their innings. But I don't think it's automatic. <laughs> I really don't know. Here we are talking, and I know the fans want to hear it, and everybody wants to hear it. But uh, you know, we're we're six weeks away from opening day, and I still uh, have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> Jim, during this, and we're visiting with Ray's pitching coach, Jim Hickey, here on our Countdown to Opening Day radio show. And, you know, when you have to make alterations, and you're, you are praised for your communication, and rightfully so, uh, it, you do tremendous work with that stuff. But when you have to alter a rotation during the season, and it inevitably happens because of injury, because of off days, innings limits, whatever, uh, how, do you have to sell the player on that idea? Do you have to explain it to that pitcher why we're doing that, and do guys tend to, and this is a generalization, do guys tend to understand that sort of thing? Because there's so much thought that goes into that stuff, whether it be from a coach's standpoint, a baseball app standpoint, a manager's standpoint. Do you have to communicate to them and explain to them why they're being managed or used a certain way? Well, first of all, no one likes a disruption to their routine, and that's what happens when you make the alteration. You know, you disrupt their routine. So nobody likes that. They can still perform well when you disrupt their routine, but certainly you have to explain it to them. But I think we're at a point now in our relationship, whether it's myself or Stan Barofsky or Kevin Cash or whoever it is, when we end up coming to these guys and we tell them that this is the way that we're going to go, I think that they all realize we have nothing but the best intentions of everybody involved. All we want to do is win as many games as possible for the Tampa Bay Rays. It's not about, you know, you're going to pitch this amount of innings or you're going to do this or you're going to do that. It's a, it's a team effort. And I really, really think that uh, it's taken a little bit of time, but I really think that all these guys have bought into that. So they may be a little bit reluctant to hear, you know, the message that you have to uh, give to them, but they definitely accept it. Uh, and, and they just kind of move on. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's it's sort of the culture that we've created, and it's a very positive culture at that. You know, uh, Jim, as you as we do look ahead here and spring training goes along, is there a guy or two, whether it's a, a veteran or maybe one of the newcomers that you haven't had a chance to see a whole lot, that you are really looking forward to see uh, get into games and see how they perform? I know it's March, and I know you got to take some of that stuff with a grain of salt, but are there a couple of guys that you're kind of anxious to see how they do once the games get going? Well, I'm really excited to see the youngsters. Uh, you know, obviously Blake Snell, he's at the top of everyone's list. Faria is a guy that everyone talked about. Jamie Schultz is not a guy that you hear much about, but uh, when I watch him throw, uh, I get really excited. Um, you know, any Ramiro, we all know about him, so I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. But uh, I mentioned a couple of the guys that, you know, they're kind of under the radar. Um, you know, Webb and Danny Farquhar, those are guys that uh, they, they can end up being extremely productive, you know, end-of-the-game, high-leverage situation relief pitchers. So, uh, yeah, I am excited. I am excited to see it, to watch it get going. But, uh, you know, we, we do this dance every year. Every <laughs> year this, this happens. Every year uh, it just seems to shake out. You know, you mentioned earlier – uh, about uh, Kyle Farnsworth and, you know, Kyle Farnsworth, he was the closer. He was the closer the year that Fernando Rodney ended up being the, you know, the yeah. best relief pitcher on the planet. And Kyle ended up getting injured about two weeks before the end of spring training. Could you? you know, and it's still, it is amazing. It's, well, it still wasn't determined whether he or uh, Peralta would close the game. And, and, you know, Peralta had pitched so well in the eighth inning, we just left him there for the first game. Next thing you know, you know, Fernando closes the game and, you know, he feels good about himself. And two days later, it happened again. And, you know, now here, all of a sudden, here he goes on to, I don't remember what it was, but, you know, 45, 46 saves. And, 
you know, just one of the best uh, seasons of a relief pitcher in history. It, it, it was the amazing, absolutely an amazing season. Could you explain uh, what Kevin was talking about a little bit? Uh, and I don't know if it's a change in organizational philosophy or what, or maybe just kind of an idea uh, of pit, relief pitchers maybe crossing over from one inning to the next a little bit more this year. I know Kevin alluded that to that in his press conference that it may not be just, okay, this guy's got the sixth, this guy's got the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, whatever, but it may be more of an inning and a third or inning and two-thirds or maybe two-thirds of an inning where you get one out one inning and come back and get one out the next inning. What, what is the thought process behind some of that stuff? Well, you know, you'd like to have a guy that you could send out there for more than three outs because you don't want to run four guys out there every day because that, I think that's what happened to us last year. You know, the starting pitcher goes five, he goes five-plus innings, someone pitches the sixth, someone pitches the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth, and the next thing you know, you know, four times in a week, uh, you've got four guys that have been in the ball game, so you get a little bit worn down. So I think what we'd like to do is have somebody, for example, uh, you know, Alexander Colomay, for example, he gets five outs in a game and he gets a day off versus – him pitching three outs, you know, on Monday, three outs on Tuesday, three outs on Thursday. So uh, it's it's very attractive. It's not uh, it's a, it's a heck of a lot easier to say than it is to do uh, because you know it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. It's, it's tough to get three outs. It's tough to get four outs. It's tough to get five outs. Uh, however, we're going to groom some guys uh, in the hopes that uh, they can pitch more than the inning that they could get the four, five, six, even seven outs that we need on a particular day. Jim, final question. You know, we, we've talked about almost everybody except the guy who was the all-star last year, and that was Chris Archer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with Chris, we've talked about how he's become a very, very good pitcher and uh, maybe even a great pitcher. What's his next step to become an elite pitcher? Uh, you know, is it, is it a little, again, maybe improving on some of that fastball command, going a little bit deeper in the games? What, what do you see that uh, Chris has to do in order to become that, that elite pitcher if he already isn't on the cusp of it? I think he has to do what all the elite pitchers had to do. They they need to throw a fastball where they want to, when they want to. You know what I mean? He's got a two and zero count. Uh, he's got nobody on base. He's got one out. He just needs to locate that fastball down and away, and the ability to just do that. And once once he can do that uh, on a consistent basis, you're going to see a guy that I mean, he's already elite. He's already one of the elite. But you're going to see a guy that he's at the top of the list. I mean, for the next probably six, seven, eight, ten years that he's in the top five of the Cy Young Award, you know, conversation. Uh, but it all comes down to fastball command. You hit the nail right on the head. Jim, thanks for taking the time to join us, and uh, we look forward to seeing you down there uh, maybe as soon as this weekend. But uh, always a pleasure to chat with you and uh, have fun over these next few days in Port Charlotte. I will definitely do that. We'll see you guys down there. All thanks, right, Jim. Jim, Jim Hickey right. joining us here, the Rays pitching coach, one of the best in the business, and taking the time to join us here today. And, uh, you know, again, we can talk about improved offense and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, the Rays' DNA is pitching, pitching, and then defense. And uh, Jim's been a big reason why the Rays' pitching staff for the last several years has been among the best in Major League Baseball. Hey, Rays baseball is back for 2016, and single-game tickets are now on sale. Don't miss your chance to be a part of the Rays' 11th straight sellout for opening day. Visit RaysBaseball.com or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. He's Andy on Dave. We'll take a break. We'll come back and Neil sits down with last year's MVP, Logan Forsythe. That's coming your way as the countdown to opening day show continues on your home for Rays baseball, 620 WDAE and the Rays Baseball Network. Well, you can enjoy another Rays spring training at Charlotte Sports Park by getting your spring training season tickets now. Get the best seats, biggest value, and an exclusive hat and t-shirt. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Rays up. Spring training is here. The games start next Wednesday. Our broadcast starts next Wednesday on RaysBaseball.com. And then we'll be uh, broadcasting here on the Rays Radio Network and 620 WDAE beginning next Saturday and Sunday. We're here every weekend and a couple of times during the week as well throughout the month of March. With Dave Wills, I'm Andy Freed. This is Countdown to Opening Day. And if you look at last year's team, who was the MVP? Well, it was Logan Forsythe. He won the Don Zimmer Award. As chosen by the Tampa Bay chapter, the Baseball Writers Association of America, he was the team's most valuable player, and it was an excellent choice. 33 doubles, 17 home runs, but an outstanding defense, and I thought should have gotten more consideration for Gold Glove at second base as well. Well, Neil Solons today got a chance to sit down with Logan and talk about next year and this year. 
Thanks, guys. And we continue on our countdown to opening day show as we gear up for the first full workout for the Rays on Friday. And joining us now, the MVP from a season ago, that's Logan Forsythe. Logan, thanks very much for a few minutes. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. When you hear those words or those letters, MVP, what what do you think back to from last year? What sticks out? Um, you know that was uh, that was last season. Uh, this is a new season. We're about to gear up and get going. But um, you know, I was happy with with how last year turned out. You know, from a personal standpoint, you know, from a team standpoint, I think we got a lot of room to grow, and um, I think that's kind of the atmosphere in this clubhouse for spring is. We got things that we need to work on, and we know what we need to work on. So um, I think we got a good head of steam going into spring. And we'll touch on a lot of those. You know, a, a lot is made of performance resulting from comfort level. How much did comfort have to do with your personal performance, being in a second year in the organization and having a good idea of what to expect? Um, you know, I think any guy, you know, coming to a new organization, you know, treads water a little bit. Um you know, that was my case my first year. You know, I didn't want to step on any toes and try to get to know as many people as possible, um, especially my teammates. But, you know, after that first year, second year came in, and it was a lot more exciting, a lot more, you know, I wouldn't say anxious, but enthusiastic to get going and um, get to hang out with the guys more, you know, know a lot more about them and the staff. And um, it just puts you, you know, peace of mind a little bit. And, um it allows you to work on things that you really want to work on for the season instead of, you know, just trying to get a feel for it and not wanting to ask for too much. Logan Forsyth with us on our Countdown to Opening Day show. And in that season a year ago, you played 153 games. What did you learn about your body? And as you got ready for 2016, are there any things that you did differently because of what you learned about yourself? Um, no, I didn't. Um, you know, I... It was kind of the same bumps and bruises throughout the season. Um, nothing major, you know, thankfully. Uh, but, you know, you credit the training staff and, you know, just kind of the knowledge of being in the game longer that you know what you need to do to get your body ready. Um, I know there's certain maintenance things that I need to do at least twice a week, you know, on certain areas of my body, and um, that allows me to get ready for a game. You know, if, if I stay on top of things like that, you know, in the weight room, in the training room, then um, I'm putting myself in the best position um but if i do slack off and here and you know here and there then you know a week later it's going to hit me a little bit harder than i want it to and that you know could possibly affect performance so um for me you know i, I figured out a routine um pretty early and uh, i just try to stick with it and you know um it was successful how helpful you mentioned the training staff how helpful were they in getting through last year and also with the maintenance issues that go on day to day? I mean, they're great. I mean, they work their tails off, I mean, day in, day out. Um, and they're very passionate about, you know, being there for us, the players. And, um, you know, they'll come in, they'll grab guys, be like, you need to come do your stuff. And um, it's a very good reminder because you know how crazy it gets, even through spring, you know, like you lose track of days already. And uh, they give us that constant reminder, which is helpful. It's what we need. You come into camp, obviously, new year, but also new contract. Um, you know, we haven't had the chance to talk to you in detail about it for our audience. What did that mean to you? How much does that help you, knowing you have that security going forward the next couple of years? Um, it's It means a lot. Um, it's uh, security for me, not only myself, but my family. Um, and, you know, couldn't have picked a better organization. You know, the negotiation aspect of the contract went very smoothly, you know, on both sides. Um, I'm very happy that we got to a decision. Um, this is where I want to be. I think this team is um, a very good team, uh, not just from, you know, on paper, but from a attitude, a personality type standpoint. You know, you've got great guys, great staff. I mean, from the top to bottom, um, and um, it's a place you want to be. And, you know, like I said, I mean, for my family and I, we're very happy that we can hang around for a couple of years and um, uh, excited as well. Was it something that you were thinking about throughout the off season? What did you get to do this off season? Uh, you know, to, to rest, wind down, that sort of thing. Um, took a couple trips this off season. Um, you know, the negotiations took maybe a week, and that was towards the end. Um, 
but you know, early I took my wife on an anniversary trip. We went down to um, Cabo down in Mexico, and um, then out to San Diego for one of our friends' wedding. Kind of made a trip out of it, um, and then we went to uh, we actually went to Costa Rica, and that was very fun. Um, new experiences, uh, great place. We had a great time. First time going there, and and is there anything on the the future list of places now that you hit that that you want to in the future? Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of places that we would like to go visit, but um, yeah, I mean, very uh, interesting, very uh, relaxing trip. As you get ready for this season, and we mentioned the contract, how closely are you watching what's going on in the off season, and what was your excitement level? with some of the additions that have been made? Uh, I'm very excited. You know, I, I hate that we, you know, I mean, that's the business aspect of baseball is when, you know, you lose some guys that, you know, the guys that we lost, you know, Carnsey and Jake, to name a few. I mean, that was uh, guys that were going to help us at the big league level, and they did very well for us. And, um, you know, it was hard to see those guys go, but it always is. Um, but I think we got guys back that are really going to make an impact on this team. I think we got not only quality baseball guys, but uh, quality people, personalities, and um, I think they're going to fit right in. You know, the first full workout hasn't taken place yet, but how do you get to know guys, at, you know, and, and what is the, this kind of slow dance during this week where a lot of the position players came in really early? Yeah, I mean, that's always good to see. I mean, it seems that everybody's eager to get going. Um, everybody's confident, healthy, you know, wanting to attack the spring uh, which I think we need. We, we need that competition. Um, we need that excitement. But uh, getting to know guys in spring, it's easy. I mean, we're here early, early morning. I mean, we're staying here till you know, mid-afternoon. I mean, you get a lot of time on the field with guys, a lot of downtime. And, um, I mean, you'll spend an extra – I mean, we've all done it. We've spent an extra hour or two just in here catching up. I mean, it's 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 things like that that you want to do. I mean, ask about how guys off season went. I mean, even if you kept in touch with them, but just hearing it from their mouth, you know, just catching up. It's... And there's a lot of guys to get to know. And with some of those new guys, at least watching guys swing in some relaxed batting practice, it looks like there's some additional thump in the lineup. What's your impressions of watching guys, and how much does it help just an overall lineup to have that additional thickness? Um, I think tremendously for us. I think that to have some more power in our lineup, it's uh, it's going to give us more confidence. It's going to give us more um, availability uh, throughout games. I think we're going to be able to help out, um, not help out, but I think we're going to be able to put ourselves in a situation to, to win more ball games, um, a more formidable lineup. I think that, you know, it's early with swings you see in BP. I mean, it's BP. I mean, once games get going and um, we'll see how these guys uh play the game but from what i hear i mean nothing but positives um they're going to attack the game play aggressive um and i think that's what we need you know kevin cash had talked about um earlier in the week the the fact that having additional guys assuming they're able to perform to expectation that it takes a little pressure off longo it takes a little bit of pressure off you do you feel that's the case and how much do you consider the importance of protection in a lineup having guys around you that you believe are put fear into a pitcher yeah I mean anytime you get a little bit more thump as you'd put it or a little bit more power throughout the lineup um you know there's certain guys that you know it's obvious how a game is played and it's guys you want to pitch around and not give you know you don't want to give it up to guys like Longo I mean that's a guy that you want to stay away from if you happen to walk him that's so be it but um, I think that's with any lineup. Any lineup that you have a handful of guys that can do damage, um, it just it puts a little bit more on the pitcher. Maybe not every pitcher, but um, puts a little bit more on the pitcher to be like, I might need to be a little bit more careful, which kind of throws him off his game a little bit. Um, I think it's just nothing but positives when we have um, the ability to switch out guys that are going to provide you know some more power production for us. You hit normally, I would say, fifth a lot last year. Does where you hit in the order mean much if they have to move you around? Is is that something that gets discussed? or, or is, And is it important to hit in a similar spot on a regular basis for you? Um, yeah, I think it is for any player. I think it's 
uh, you put a lineup out there to where you know who's in front, you know who's hitting behind you. And, I mean, it's even, for me, you know, even if we're facing a lefty or righty, you still kind of know that lineup. You know, if a lefty, it might be different. And um, But for myself, um, no, we, I haven't talked about, like, where I might hit in the lineup this year. Um, haven't thought too much about it. Um, but I think we are going to have a very good lineup. I think we're going to have some good pieces. I think it's going to uh, – everybody's going to complement each other. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. You know, at this time last year, you didn't know that you were going to play second base every day. There was a competition there. There is a competition at short, but you know you're going to have a new double play partner. How long did it take you to feel comfortable with Cabby? And how long do you think it takes to really be comfortable with your double play partner? And for that matter, look, there are additional first basemen. Steve Pierce, um, Logan Morrison, who go along with James Loney to feel comfortable with the guy you're throwing to. Yeah, I mean, Cabby and I last year hit it off pretty quick. Um, easy guy to you know know where the ball wants I mean I could misplay a ball and he'll make it look good um but from a double play standpoint I mean we've already talked about uh the guys up the middle you know we've already started talking about feeds and where we like it and just kind of it right now it's the feeling out period you know you got a month to work on it which we will every day um but even with the first basements I mean you got big targets over at first and they've also had success over there so um yeah, well, it'll be interesting just to see how things play out. Again, we're chatting with Logan Forsyth on our Countdown to Opening Day show. And, you know, I know that you last year, again, had a terrific season, and there are a lot of core guys back. How much of a – I know you're not a big talker, but do you play a more active or vocal role as a leader in the group this year? Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, you still have your guys uh, that are going to lead this team. Um, but I think another voice with a little bit more experience and that's had success and that's been around a little bit, um, I think it's good for younger guys. So it's not just from one person, but like um, multiple guys. Um, and just say, you know, you take me and Longo, for example. I mean, that's something that we would talk about before we presented it to a younger guy, you know, something that we would want him to do or how things were ran around the clubhouse. Um, um just little things, you know, the unwritten rules, um, something that kind of stays in the clubhouse. I think it's, I think it's a challenge for myself. Um, instead of just, you know, trying to lead by the way you play the game, you know, try to be a little bit more vocal and helping guys out. Sounds like you're embracing that idea a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, it's a it's a new task, and Cash talked about it last year, and um, we're gonna give it a shot. And you know, in terms of uh, this this upcoming season, I know as as well as it went for you personally last year, you know, you want to get to the postseason. As you look at what this team needs to do, what are some areas that you think this group has to get better at to go from eighty wins to maybe ninety wins and be in that postseason conversation, that division conversation again? Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately that's the goal. I mean, that's where everybody wants to be, and I think that needs to be a. Uh, reoccurring theme that we talk about is winning baseball games and getting to the postseason um i think our biggest uh our biggest thing is to stay healthy i think we need to come into spring and not get some of these younger guys not try to do too much to try to impress you know too early um come in get a feel for things get the body ready um so it can take a load once we get closer to the end of uh end of spring and get season going but um i think health's our biggest concern i mean it was obvious last year so um i think that's what we need to focus on and then beyond that on the field are there certain things as a group you'd like to say hey if we can do these types of things better we've got a better chance yeah obviously i mean and the thing we talked about last year was you know one was being more aggressive at the plate um you know i think guys are already buying into that um and i think that's going to be a thing that we talk about even through live VP and getting into games. Um, also, you know, defensively, we've always been good. Um, I think that with the guys that we have, the core group, I think that's going to rub off on the younger guys. And, you know, we take pride in that. So, um, and then from a pitching standpoint, I mean, our guys just keep to the plan, keep doing what they're doing. And, you know, I think the bullpen will work out the way it is. But like I said, man, it's early. It's, we're going to, I see a lot of different moves, a lot of different guys playing different positions. So 
um, it'll all pan out. Well, enjoy the uh, the slow dance toward opening day. We certainly appreciate a few minutes. Congratulations on last year's success and the contract for the future, and we obviously look forward to having you aboard all season long. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. That's Logan Forsyth on our countdown to opening day show. Guys, back to you. All right, Neil, thank you, and thank you to Logan as well. Hard to believe when we look back now, last year was the first time he had ever even made a start on opening day. So think of how far he has come in such a short amount of time now. This will be his third year for the Rays, and we look forward to seeing him come uh, opening day, April the 3rd. And that's what we're counting down to. This is our countdown to opening day radio show with Dave Wills. I'm Andy Freed, reminding you that you can see the Rays this spring by getting your spring training three-pack, get great savings, and, and, and select from games against Boston, New York, whomever, all the teams. In fact, they start the year, start spring training against the Nationals next Wednesday. RaysBaseball.com slash spring or just call Triple Eight Fan Rays. Raise up. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Still lots to get to, and then we'll talk about uh, what's coming up on the docket, including Fan Fest this coming Saturday. This is Countdown to Opening Day on your flagship station for Rays Baseball, 620 WDAE and the Rays Radio Network. Get your whole team in on the action with the Rays kickoff the 2016 spring training season at Charlotte Sports Park. Groups of 15 or more, perfect for employees, friends, or family can receive a discounted price. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring or call 888-FAN-RAYS. Raise up. Well, there's a couple of uh, starting points for us when you get ready for a season. One of them is when we start doing these shows. This is already our third. The other, Andy Freed, is Rays Fan Fest, which is coming up this Saturday. It is an annual tradition. We will be there. And even though it is free to get in, uh, there is the, the fee for the uh, player autographs. But I want to make sure people know, too, that that goes to the Rays Baseball Foundation and the ALS Association. So it is uh, it is for a very, very good cause. But free to park, uh, free to get in, lots of fun stuff to do for free, in fact, at Fan Fest. And it really is one of those dates we circle on our calendar. And you and I will be signing autographs from about 10 o'clock till about noon. We'll be on with the guys on our flagship station at 620 WDA throughout the morning and afternoon. So looking forward to see those guys out there. They'll be broadcasting live. And then we'll have a couple of uh, appearances on the Pepsi stage. So it's a full day, a fun day. If you're looking for something to do on Saturday, you should come on out. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Mr. Freed, that'll do it for us here today. But again, some interesting insight from both Jim Hickey and Logan Forsyth. And next time we are on the radio, will be our show next week. But again, don't forget a week from uh, yesterday, Wednesday, we'll have our first radio bro- broadcast from Port Charlotte, and it'll be on RaysBaseball.com at yeah, 1 o'clock. That's right, and then we're here every Thursday as well for our countdown to opening day, which we are truly counting down. We are indeed. All right, well, our countdown to opening day show is a presentation of the Rays Radio Network. The executive producer of the Rays Radio Network is Larry McCabe. Today's show is produced by Chris Miller and Jordan Caviellis, the engineer, Brian Allward. Also, thanks to Lauda Ospina and jesse feldman our production assistants thanks to jim hickey for taking the time to join us from down at port charlotte and also logan Forsyth for sitting down with our broadcast partner neil solons now for my broadcast partner andy freed i am dave wills this has been another edition of our countdown to opening day show that's on your home for rays baseball 620 wdae and the rays radio network we will see you next thursday with show number four good night everybody Thank you for listening to Countdown to Opening Day. Corey Swinton launches one way up into the air in a deep left field, all the way back and gone. Home run, a two-run shot for Evan Longoria. If you missed any of the show, download it at raysbaseball.com slash podcast. What a blast. Join us at Tropicana Field on February 27th for Rays Fan Fest. The 01. Swing and a tapper toward third. Evan charging. Bare hands. Throws. Rays win. Chris Archer goes the distance, and the Rays beat the Astros by a score of one to nothing. For more information, visit RaysBaseball.com.